0: Our guest today is a visual artist, graphic designer, activist, and drag queen who's been making a name for herself across Brooklyn for the last few years. You've seen her perform as part of Sasha Velour's nightgown shows, and you can see some of her art currently on display at the Temporary Island exhibit. I'm happy to welcome today the marvelous Untitled Queen. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming in. So let's just get right into things. Sure. (laughs) So you grew up in a military family with Mm -hmm. your father being part of the military. Right. Mm -hmm. So people don't tend to associate military with drag at all i think right but Mm -hmm. i'm curious to see if that aspect of your upbringing had any influence on your drag or your visual art as a whole oh sure i
1: mean it definitely did because uh so my father was in the coast guard and i grew up on governor's island which was a coast guard base um off the southern tip of manhattan and um My recent project that's up now, um, Temporary Island at the Elizabeth Foundation, had a lot to do with being brought up in an island. Um, So my father's Filipino and he emigrated through uh, through the military from the Philippines um, in his teens or late teens. And my mother, uh, her parents are from Puerto Rico. So my project there was all about coming from islands and what does it mean to be uh, an American, a POC American uh, now and sort of post-colonialism so um yeah it's a huge part especially like my upbringing there was very diverse uh very uh, lots of different um ethnicities there was a lot of um different people from all over the place uh kind of coming in and out of uh through the military because there are so many different stations so I grew up with a really diverse um sort of set of uh, neighborhood kind of community, but. Uh, it shut down when I was 12, and then I moved to a really small kind of whitewashed town in Connecticut. So it was kind of like really abrupt. Like my adolescence kind of went from like all of this to like, whew, mm-hmm. really tiny town. And um, so, yeah, it had, a, it had a big a big effect. It's a lasting um, thing that I think a lot about, and it's a lot about what my
0: work is thinking about. Um. Gotcha. So you kind of, you talked about whitewashing, and speaking of Well, I want to comment on one of the distinctive aspects, I think, of your drag aesthetic is how I'd say a good majority, if not most of the time, you will paint your face like a very pale white. I was curious uh, to your reasoning behind it and if it perhaps relates to the same kind of concept that you've described before behind your name being untitled.
1: Right, right. Um... Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a lot of different reasons. One, I'm hugely inspired by Butoh, Japanese theater, dance theater, um, which is a big trope of that um, form. Um, and I mean, I guess in a very kind of plain sense, um, so I chose Untitled to kind of reflect my... I actually don't really even know why I chose it. I, in my <laughs> head, like when so, I know I, I came up with it, and I thought like I wanted to do something that re- referenced my art background mm-hmm. that was more um, abstract, like object, like so not not like a person, so or not a person's name. So um, I think the white lends to that too, and I think there's something about like it kind of um, melds all my facial features kind of together. So there's something really interest. I'm really interested lately in like a dissolving of these kind of barriers and like hard shapes. So the white I think really kind of lends, lends to that.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so you've talked in the past on how you consider your drag an extension of your visual art. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about uh, your creative process a little bit specifically? Do ideas come to you as, I want this to be a drag performance or do you start with a painting or video, and then you reach a point where it's like, oh, this might work better as a drag piece?
1: Oh, um, my pr- practice um, all over is very interdisciplinary, so I work in installation, drawing, performance, and then drag I consider just another medium. So coming up with stuff, I, I feel like it's very, um, uh, I guess organic is kind of a silly word um it never has the same starting point like I'll see like I go I get inspired a lot by like shopping dollar store like seeing things New York is like a perfect like inspiration place. It's I like just you just see so much stuff and so my mind is open to a lot of things it's sort of like they're all I think a lot of my work is it's all floating in the like air and then I just like I'm able to grasp pieces and then I really begin to see connections so maybe um, I'll have seen like a new anime I'm like oh this is really cool maybe like this outfit is like starting to inspire me and then I'll hear a song that like something clicks and it's like that it's sort of like the brain synapses start to go off so it's really never the same thing but I'm often inspired by I watch a lot of anime and like or now I do at least I don't know, food TV <laughs> and, like, <laughs> dollar stores is a huge inspiration because there's just so much stuff. I'm very much interested in um, DIY uh, craft making. Um, it's always been a part of my my process, but then also um, I'm very interested in how it sort of reflects um my sort of status as a child of immigrants and being self-made and so that's a really important part of my work. So I feel like that's yeah, I hope that answers the question. Yeah. It does perfectly. Okay. I
2: really like that perspective. I'm really interested how you have instead of having drag as an art form which is what you so often see or even think about drag being you have an art form that turns into drag, I just wanted to say. I think that that's actually really interesting in a way that, I don't know, maybe I should be thinking about drag more like that, but I guess I haven't been, and it's interesting to hear that perspective. Now, that being said, were there any difficulties for you, or even now, about doing drag that stems from visual art? Another way to phrase this, I suppose, are there some ways in which thinking like a visual artist gets in the way of thinking like a drag queen
1: oh i guess i don't separate them they're just one and the same I feel, it took me a minute to, for me so i have all this <laughs> i feel like recently a lot of my work a lot of my thought process around art making is that there's a lot of made-up boundaries about everything actually not just art about everything that's where i'm like learning like we've we've come to let a lot of these things kind of get in the way and like Categori- categorizing and labeling a lot of things, and s- having this sort of separation of the arts and is is a made up concept. It's not actually real. Mm-hmm. It's something that's taught to school to like literally like make sure that like, you pay yeah. and that like it's a sort of elitist structure that's like top down, um, which I totally believe. But I've totally been like within that system. So there's a kind of like unlearning that I've been doing. So um, I when I first started, I actually thought they were totally separate. I was like, my art's different, and I didn't really tell like people I was making. That I went to art school with that I was doing it and people in drag didn't really know I, I did art and then finally like an idiot I was like the last person to know I was like oh it's exactly the same
0: now that you've started to not associate like not make really a distinction <clears throat> yes. would you still s- say that the drag aspect of your art has had an impact on let's say your painting or your sculpture work or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. Or, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they just, they feed, it feeds
1: it all. The thing, of what what drag did for me, which was amazing, which I didn't expect, It's totally unexpected. First of all, like, when I was in school, a lot of people encouraged me to do it. They all, like, knew I was a drag queen well before me, and so I was like, oh, no, I'm not really into it. I wasn't really into drag when I was in uh, grad school, even before then. Like, I thought it was cool, but I wasn't that into it. But, um, yeah, um it all the drag was like a light bulb went off and i was like oh my gosh it brings together all the things i'm interested in all at once it's really an amazing medium because it's not i think some people think about it as like it's a performance you get up on a stage go on you're done and you're done and it's over it's very um i call it almost like this is sort of cerebral annoying stuff but it's i call it almost like a social sculpture because it exists you know, you're doing all this construction stuff—painting, drawing, creating sculptural things as this sort of image—and then you embody it by performing. Um, but then it's like really created by like not just you and what you put out there, but how other people begin to perceive it, and it's mediated through internet media, writing. Um, And it lives in this kind of um, really fluid kind of universe. And it's, like, created and deconstructed as soon as it's made. It's fabulous. And so for me, it was literally, like, one thing that really, like, um, made sense. It really was like, oh, okay, this is something that, like, I call it, uh, I was telling someone yesterday, um, it's kind of like, I call it like a dumpster. It's probably, like, where, like, you can throw everything into it, like, light a match, and then it's like, like it's just like great like fire and then it's everything like it really joins it to me it just really really like um opened me up to a lot of stuff
0: so now that you've started to do drag more often more frequently do you find that there are any messages themes or ideas that are easier to convey through drag that you couldn't before through let's say a painting or does the opposite exist are there some themes messages and ideas that like co- are easier to convey through your drawing.
1: Oh, um, I mean, I feel like <laughs> I don't know. It's difficult. I feel like there's all these different venues for it. One thing I'll I'll say about this, I think messages. One thing that I I feel like art world and drag world are parallel in many ways because they kind of revolve around networking and creative communities. But one thing I always say that I think was really different is that drag and nightlife is fun. Um, art world is fun to make, you know, art world, the way it's taught to you, in the way it's engendered, you know, going through an MFA program, like I'm talking about American education art system, the way mm. it's taught is that it's a very, like, fun solo experience and then having to do it with other people you know all this other stuff gets in the way about like your ego and like networking in a way of like kind of schmoozing and meeting gallerists and doing studio visits and it's all this kind of alienating stuff and I find like what really opened it up for me and what I'm trying to work on now um through drag is to really um build or, or like, create this kind of fluid uh, breakdown of these divisions between, like, my contemporary art background and the intimacy and the immediacy of a drag scenario. I love bar shows. It's, like, my favorite form to really connect. And there's something... So gallery shows, I, I always find that people... Um, you know, you might have like 10 people like silently walk in and, and like look at your work and then maybe one of them will talk to you unless you're doing like a big Q&A or it's your opening. Um, so I feel like the engagement there I've always really been lacking unless I really knew, you know, a lot of the people because I had a strong base um from people I went to school with. But when you go out in nightlife, you'll have like 50 people giving you immediate reaction because they're telling you, they're cheering you on, or they're reacting right next to you. And then right when you get off, they're either like, that was cool, or like, hey, that wasn't so great, or whatever. Like, let's have a drink. There's something really alive about that experience that really gets me going. Um, So I've been trying to kind of uh, go between these spaces, both bringing it into contemporary art spaces and... um, bring art art things to the nightclub so i think that's sort of how i kind of bring the two together to allow it to speak the way i need it to or want to
0: gotcha
2: so one of the recurring themes we've asked people about in the past is changes that they've noticed to the drag scene now we're going to take a quick trip back in time six years ago november 2013 um for reference, this okay. is what does the Fox say era? You know, oh, the memories we'd okay. all love to forget. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so just figured I'd point out it, it's a little bit ago, it's longer than you think. Right, right. Okay. There is a Huffington Post profile about you. Yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, sorry, sorry. And yes. in
2: it, they ask how Brooklyn as a community shapes and constructs drag culture. You explain that it happens to be a hotbed for so many types of creative individuals and those hungry to both experience and create culture. Mm-hmm. In this need, there are a lot of opportunities for people to insert themselves into the conversation. In many cases, it creates a sense of family and long lasting friendship with all involved. Mm-hmm. Now, six years later, we're back yeah. in the present. Yeah. Yeah. Have you noticed any changes, for better or for worse, in Brooklyn or in general? Uh, Sure.
1: I mean, I think I was sort of touching on it before about this kind of, I think, motivation as to why people start. But I I don't want it to seem like I would look down or that I I hate being nostalgic for being like, oh, it was better back then. And like, I I think it's just different. Um, And, you know, if I was coming up on it, like, I would think that was really exciting and a really great way to be visible and i think it's an amazing tool for queer artists to have a space that you know people really begin to take seriously as um to pay them to for their image and image making and voice and um i but i do think that that's probably the chief difference about i think the community i've made and like what was happening because i think when we started we didn't really know it was this kind of big phenomenon so we were just doing so there was a lot of kind of um uh, not being so self-aware. I think people now are very aware and very document, you know, um, documentative, is that word? Um, of their experience. So there's, it's very, like, separated or, um, you know, mediated through tons of stories. And I'm part of it, too. But, like, you know, you're kind of, like, going to these it's come to this point where you're going to see like kind of cardboard cutouts of people but they're actually people and they're standing in front of you but they're not like um i think there's a distance in that kind of a thing where i think before um we weren't as concerned with so much about likes and followers so we were just kind of doing what we've sort of felt like but you know i don't know new york is always the energy of like i think and it brings so many of the, you know, I think most compa- some of the most compelling thinkers because they really, really want to make it out here. And it's such a hustle. So they're really trying hard. Um, and I still do believe that as far as community in Brooklyn, which is why I love it, is that, like, it doesn't exist if you don't go. Like, it, it, it can't. Um, and that was something I really believed. Like, community was a word I thought was such a silly, like, it didn't even exist to me as a word. Um, but Brooklyn was, a, that really began to make, make sense because... Um, One, I didn't know anything about it. And then I just like entered to this whole group of amazing creators and friends. And, um, you know, if you didn't go to shows, no one was going to come to see yours. If you didn't like help someone, it wasn't going to come back to you. It really was something that stood because of the energy that you exchanged, that you gave in and out. So I feel like, yeah, that that part has stayed the same. But yeah, I think a lot of, because of this mainstreaming, I think people's, how they get into it, what they get out of it, how fast it is for them, and what they expect
0: from it is is quite different. Gotcha. So you've mentioned before how you love doing bar shows, <laughs> and you've also just, we're talking about community, and mm-hmm. I think nightclubs and bars are such a great way to build community with a fan base or just your community as a whole. Sure. If you are a New York resident, you're also aware that
2: bars and clubs are closing all the time. Right. Small it, businesses in general, it's really disappointing to see everything disappear. Right. And on that, I
0: guess I was curious, is there any one bar or nightclub that has closed during your experience as a drag queen that yeah particularly got you particularly hurt
1: um sugarland was the one but that's because i was um it was my first like i loved that bar and um it had already been like a kind of staple in brooklyn you know well before i started doing drag um and it closed like a year and a half after and um again i always i never really like to wax nostalgic because it's like i think it's such a like a I don't know, a drawback, and I think other people, it like puts down other people's experience. But I, um, that one I just loved, and I like, I think a lot of people who fell in love with that club, because it was like dark and it had a lot of nooks and crannies. It like allowed for you to do lots of like bad, weird things in like who knows what. It was just like this strange playland completely full of like, a fog um because they had this like huge smoke machine and it was pretty big and the dressing room was just like this huge like coat rack area with like it was just this cavernous thing and the best thing about it was it had um You had a balcony that you could look down onto the stage, and then also the first floor you could see the stage. But the stage had no uh, ceiling limit, you could never hit it. Like, so you could have a million props, you could be tall, you could like also come in from the side. Um, The stage had two levels one that was like literally only like a foot and a half off the ground. Um, So, yeah, I I really romanticized that place as um, one of my absolute faves.
0: Filipino representation seems to be rather sporadic within the drag scene, especially. Mm the mainstream drag scene. Have you found that the drag community has been accepting of your background? And have you faced any adversity or racism because of it?
1: Um, I think... No, the, I know that they we have. I mean, I think Brooklyn is... I always say Brooklyn is brown. Brooklyn is like... You know, the major plays in Brooklyn are POC. Um, and I think more so than ever now, and you know, not just in drag, but nightlife, now we have Bubble Tea, uh, which is a huge, you know, Pan-Asian API um, queer space that does incredible parties. Um, it's also, there's another one called Onega um, And uh, I think there are more party, these kind of organizations coming up and uh, groups, collectives really coming together. And there's also A+, which is... Um, a, a drag, a Asian drag, a diaspora, or Asian diaspora, drag review. So I think now there's more so than ever, more visibility and more spaces expanding um, for that. But I think when I started, there was you know nothing. Um, so again, I think it's like it's difficult, and I think it's another thing I've always surprised by because I think like bubble tea is amazing and it's another thing that'm like, wow, there's only two you know, so you know two major parties that you're gonna go to that you're gonna be able to see and like see yourself and have um other performers sort of reflected but um yeah, I mean now I think um in the the sort of tier um th- that grew up after me that's going on now has a lot of there's a big Slasian crew, so there's um west dakota there's um dynasty there is um sookie sterling um so like more so than i've ever i mean like now they do photo shoots it's like a whole group groups of asians i'm like oh my gosh it would have just been like me by myself waving one flag (laughs) um but um yeah so i think it's a promising thing and i think it's always been an asset to me but i think now more so than ever i like really trying to talk a lot about it and be very visible because I'm aware of how much I think I can
0: do with that, um, you know, visibility. So in addition to being Filipino, you're also Puerto Rican. Yeah. Do you find that you tend to, in your artwork at least, represent one culture more than the other or do you find that representing one culture tends to be easier than for you than representing the other
1: I don't know it's very weird um, I mean a lot of my work is about this now um, but I don't think it's ever it, they're always it's always about being both at the same time or I, I, a lot of my recent work and this this temporary island stuff was about like what does it mean to come from Somewhere And, like, what is, like, you know, a lot of myself has always been about, like, identity politics. So I think a lot of my um, recent work is, like, is your, is your makeup, is your identity actually, like, your, like, DNA history that's been told to you through your family or through books? Or is it something that you create yourself? I think a lot of it is, like, and what I use drag through is about self-creation. And I think that is sort of how I've been... Taking that question on, um, like I'm forging what it means to be a Puerto Rican and a Filipino, and in addition to all these things that I've um, inherited, um, so it's a kind of this mix. I just got this queer, uh, queer uh, people of color anthology, uh, poetry anthology called Nipantla, and I had um, edited by Christopher Soto. Nepantla, which I had never heard of, uh, is a Chicano Aztec word that was used to describe a feeling of in-betweenness and I'm like of course I picked this book up and I was like "Mm, let me look through this and this word um basically I guess was invented uh like during the Aztec times when they were being colonized by the Spaniards and it was meant to kind of characterize the culture that they were trying to hold on to their native culture and then this new culture being oppressed upon them and being in between and so I feel like my I've always felt this sort of in-betweenness and like what does it mean to kind of carry all these things? And so I just picked up this book like yesterday. So <laughs> um so I'm like oh I'm getting really into this this concept. Um so yeah, I feel like that's that's how I've been thinking about it. Gotcha. So as when I'm,
2: I'm sure that when you started out you had lots and and lots of different ideas and concepts mm-hmm. and as Anybody who's starting out in a new field that they're just brimming with ideas for, sometimes not all of them end up coming through. Are there any ideas or bits that you did at the start of your career as a drag queen that you'd like to reimagine or return to?
1: I think that I'm always remaking the same work. Not like the same piece, but the work, the ideas of my things and like how I um, approach them are always cycling in my stuff. So I feel like I'm. I've I, And I don't mean that in, like, a repetitive, boring way. At least I don't think it so. Because I go back to it because it draws me to it. So um, I feel like I'm always cycling the same thing. I'm always thinking about some sort of, like, kind of soft sculptural, amorphous kind of large, like, immersive body sculpture kind of a thing. And then a song that, like, tells a story, narrative storytelling is a huge thing. Um, I, the, the fun thing about drag... I mean, it's also crazy, um, <laughs> but the fun thing about drag is that you can do anything. I think. I mean, when I came from it, because I didn't, I didn't come. I guess I hadn't been watching so much drag. I was like, I can do anything. I was doing in my art practice, so it just all seemed to go. Um, it was great, and I could try so many. Also, back then when I started, um, there were so many drag shows, there was so much like hunger for drag and like the local bar. So we were going out every night, doing something like two, three numbers doing whatever. So I experimented a lot um, and I got a lot out there. But um, yeah, I don't I don't think I leave any stone unturned. And I think that's what's great. I've been really grateful and fortunate to have opportunities come to me and be able to do what I do um, unfiltered. So um,
0: yeah, I hope that answers the question. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. Uh, and then uh, to touch upon Temporary Island, mm-hmm. can you tell us about... The creative process behind it. I'm particularly curious about. There to those who haven't seen it, I'd call it a multifaceted, multi-part piece. <laughs> so, what came first for you in the design process? What did you find most difficult about creating the piece?
1: Sure. So, Temporary Islands is a sh- group exhibition, but it's um, through this residency called the Shift Residency. That is through this Elizabeth Foundation of the Arts Gallery, um, and it's this amazing residency, and it's very specific. It's four artists that work full time at arts organizations. So when I saw that I was nominated to apply, I was like, "This is my life. I have to get this. If I don't get this, it's going to be terrible." Um, and I got it. And what's amazing is, so I work full time doing graphic design for a nonprofit called Brick, and it's very the balance of time. Um, and art making is very challenging uh, to say the least. And this residency is, was a year long, and it was really amazing. You got to propose a long project and you worked with six other people from other arts organizations. So there was people from the Queens Museum, Nifa, and going through a lot of the same experiences. And when I started it, uh, my proposal was to do some kind of rumination about islands and where we come from, but it was gonna be some sort of art play at the time. And then that became um, a show I did at the Rosemont in um, February of this year, which was an immersive installation at the bar that included um, monologues about the subject matter that I wrote, recorded, and then lip synced that went into songs. And I brought sculptures into the space of these stones, a lot of the stones about islands. Um, So that was sort of how all these elements began to come together. and so, and then I made a costume for the piece that also had all these um, stone elements. It was all this kind of like, I I, call, I was calling the piece the sort of reverse manifest destiny where it's like, I'm reclaiming this sort of territory, you know, from colonialism, but it's not a territory of actual land, but a territory of like performance and body and mind and creation. So. Um, that's sort of where the sort of installation and all these things came from.
2: And I can tell that if you've had a common theme here, it's been the dissolution of labels and constrictions. That being said, I'm going to ask this anyway, even though I feel like I'm going to know the answer, but who knows (laughs) when it comes to your artwork Mm -hmm. and people interpreting it, are you the sort of person who wants to explain it and make sure that your meaning through the artwork is clear? Or are you the sort of more laissez-faire type who will say how you interpret it is how you interpret it
1: um i'm more i'm like an in-between more in-betweenness i'm like the napantla of this um i'm gonna start (laughs) like using this word and make it and then they're gonna be like that's the wrong definition (laughs) um i'm like in between like i feel like i come with it with a certain intentionality that i really want to be um accessible that people understand i think that I, you know, I do have a thought process and, um, you know, it means something to me in a certain way, but I never want to shut down meaning. It's like, I can't ever claim to know everything about what my art is about. I, you know, I'm learning about it all the time. I don't even, I can't even, like, make legible what, where it comes from. Like, I have ideas about where it comes from, but really, you know, I just respond. You know, that's, I've been working a lot, like thinking, like, art for me is a language and I'm trying to communicate. And so every time I make work, it's an attempt at a phrase, it's an attempt to utter something, and it's not always distinguishable, it doesn't always make sense, it doesn't always translate. But I'm uh, trying, and um, however people receive it, you know, I can, ne- I can never control, and I don't think I would want to. I do really want want to keep it open. But I, I do think it's nice when to not always be so, um, I don't know, so abstract, so um, distant to people if they want to know about it.
0: Perfect. Well, that's it for questions. In terms of... The people following you, keeping track of where you are, knowing what you're up to, where can they track you down?
1: They can track me down on Instagram and Venmo. <laughs>
2: same,
1: <laughs> same untitled queen, one word. Um, I use Facebook sometimes. But usually my Instagram right now is like the really oh, – I also have my website, MatthewDeLeon.com, um, where I post most of my um, events and things going on. And yeah, Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time.
0: Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. great you.